Hello everyone and welcome back to From the Front Row. Food insecurity affects millions of people across the United States, including here in Iowa City. It's a tough public health challenge and we are lucky to have people who are working to solve it here on our campus. Today, we are joined by Steph Beecher, the University of Iowa's Basic Needs Coordinator, and Amanda Doherty, Executive Director of the Food Pantry at Iowa. We're going to chat with them about the pantry and about food insecurity more broadly. My name is Rada Villamuri, and I'm co-hosting this episode with Rasika Mukamala. If it's your first time with us, welcome. We were a student-run podcast that talks about major issues in public health and how they are relevant to anyone both in and outside of the field of public health. Welcome to the show, Steph and Amanda. So to start off, could you guys introduce yourselves? I know you guys both work for the Food Pantry, and I've actually had the pleasure of working with both of you, but I want to hear for our audience a little more about your roles and what you do at the Food Pantry on campus. Yeah, I kick it off. So my name is Steph Beecher. I'm, I'm the basic needs coordinator. So what that means is overseeing anything and everything basic needs. So clearly the food pantry and the clothing closet, which we can get into a little bit more later. And then just really being kind of front and center for basic needs as far as initiatives, getting funding, working with campus partners, really just to get the the word out about basic needs. Yeah. And my name is Amanda Doherty. I'm currently a senior here at the University of Iowa studying biomedical sciences. And I served as the executive director for the food pantry this past year. So I was in charge of leading our executive team, which was comprised of eight undergraduate and graduate students, as well as overseeing the day-to-day operations within the pantry. Can you paint a picture of what food insecurity looks like on college campuses? How common is it? Who's most affected by it? And especially at the University of Iowa, what it looks like? Yeah, I can I can jump on that. There's There's a whole bunch of statistics we can really look at, but one is the food security index score, which is by the USDA. And so on our campus, we collect data around on, it's called the NCHA data collection. So it's National College of uh, Health uh, Assessment. So what we do is we look at who, who like what their index is and then who can afford a balanced meal. So we're looking at undergraduate, graduate, and professional staff when we're talking about our data. And so what we're really looking at is how often do people report food insecurity and for undergrads seven and a half percent say that they often have food insecurity so that up to seven days a week feel like they incur food insecurity quite often so for grads it's 4.1 percent and then for professionals they have 3.2 percent which the the percentages may seem low but this index really captures like pretty much seven days out of the week. I don't know where my meal is going to come from. So so that's one measure we look at. Another is just in general, like in the past, I think the questions asked in the past two weeks, were you unable to afford a meal? And nationwide, we're looking at about 40% of students say that they don't know where their next meal is going to come from. So you can look at a bunch of different measures, and but really what it's shedding light on, on is it's common. And the folks that it's common with, it's significantly common like throughout the seven days of the week. Yeah, 40% is a very large number. Amanda, do you have anything you wanted? Yeah, Amanda, did you have anything you wanted to add on that? Yeah, so I think, yes, obviously food insecurity is very prevalent on college campuses, but I think a lot of people don't understand really the nature of it because you don't readily see it unless you're looking for it. And like we said, nationally data shown 30 to 40% of 
students have self-reported being food insecure, but that number could be even higher for students that are choosing not to report that. And it's probably even much higher for marginalized communities as well. So I remember like when I first learned about food insecurity, I, I kind of picture someone starving who hasn't eaten in days maybe, but I think the truth is it applies to anyone who's not eating or does not have access to enough nutritious foods. So a lot of people just like don't quite understand that whole definition. So like a student who's eating ramen every night for dinner or skipping meals can also be considered food insecure, um, which, yeah, I don't think is well understood by others as well. Thanks for bringing that up. It really is a sensitive issue. You bring up that some people just might not even report it. And that makes sense because, you know, you you might not, first of all, you might not be aware that, especially as a college student, that you might be considered food insecure because right. a lot of people will think of people who are starving. But yeah, if you like are struggling to, you know, like if you eat ramen every night, that is not healthy and, and you can't afford to eat healthier and support yourself, then you are considered food insecure. And a lot of college students might not think that they fall into that category and might be hesitant to use resources that are available to them. So I'm glad that both of you have, you know, taken the opportunity to come on this podcast to come and share a little bit more with our audience, at least. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about what services the food pantry provides and how students might be able to come and receive these services? Yes. Oh, go ahead, Amanda. Okay, I was just going to say, we are a free service for any student, staff, or faculty member associated with the university. So if you'd like to use the pantry, all you have to do is come during our open hours, which are always posted on our website and social media. Bring your student ID card, and we'll have you swipe in. Take a survey that'll ask you a couple questions about your food insecurity, household size, those sort of things, so we can collect all this data if it's your first time at the pantry for the semester. And then you're free to take what you need for the week. So we provide a variety of basic goods, necessities you'd normally expect in a normal pantry, like beans, pasta, canned goods, breakfast items. But we also try to include fresh produce like eggs, dairy, and culturally diverse foods as well. So that way our clients can have a well-balanced meal with foods that they're accustomed to. And then also providing like basic hygiene products like soap, toothpaste, pads, tampons, and those sort of things too. Where do you get your donations from? Where are the supplies? Are they collected or is there anything people can do to help to donate? That's a, that's a great question. So the pantry wouldn't run without any of our partners. So we get food from HACAP, which is a food bank up in Cedar Rapids. They deliver kind of a pallet or two of food for us. That's a significant chunk uh, that we get our food donation from. And what's kind of it always makes our job really interesting because we're always like, ooh, what did we get from HACAP this week? Like, you never know what's going to come in the food pantry. And that's the same with Table to Table. So that's a local organization that goes around to like Hy-Vee's and Quick Stars and Target to get their almost expired food and then divvy it out to the, the many pantries that we have in Iowa City, Corvo, North Liberty. So we get food from them. We have a, we're lucky enough to have a budget where we can get food from Walmart that we're ordering to kind of fill in some of the gaps. Cause again, we don't really know what we're going to get. So we want to be able to fill like Amanda was saying, fill in food for like culturally diverse needs um, for dietary needs or just those staples. So that allows us to buy food through that. And then a local egg uh, company uh, that, <laughs> what, what would you call it? Egg. Egg producer. Egg I said yeah, producer. Egg producer. They produce eggs. 
Uh, they fill our fridge every every week full of one fridge full of eggs, and that's where we get that. And then I'd say about 14% come from donations through Amazon wish list, which we have. So people can go on and be like, oh, pantry needs these hygiene products. I'm gonna order, I'm gonna order this. So Amazon monetary donations and then food drives, kind of where that 14% makes up. So yeah, that's so awesome to hear that you guys are working with local partners and oh, people yeah. in the Cedar Rapids area. I know you guys probably couldn't do it without them. So it's great to hear that it's a community effort. Oh, totally, totally. So Steph, you talked a little bit about the clothing closet. Would you be yeah. able to share a little bit more about this service and yeah. what anything else about it? Yeah, so the clothing closet is available to any undergrad, grad, professional student. And we provide professional attire. So like dresses, suits, blazers, that things that can become really expensive. If you're, let's say you're like applying for internship or you have a job interview and you need, you need a blazer, that, those, that stuff's expensive. So we have different partners in the community. We take donations from, and then we have a, a space in the Iowa House Hotel. We have kind of like the pantry, we have different hours. People can stop by again, no questions asked, like, if you, if you qualify or not, you just qualify by coming into the space. And uh, yeah, basically that's kind of what the clothing closet is. We're really looking at expanding efforts to winter coats. That's something a need that's been coming up, especially with grad students we're noticing and international students. So a lot of us who are on the, the front lines of basic needs, we're trying to keep a stash of coats in our offices so that we can equip students with coats when they, we come, they come in and we notice like, Hey, you're not wearing a coat. We have all these coats here. How can we help? So, so it's a, a some in-person stuff. And then we're also trying to expand like our outreach with the clothing closet. That's super interesting. So I'm a first year MHA student and part of our dress code um, includes professional dress when we have right. speakers or um, for internship interviews and things like that. And it is super expensive, especially yeah. like um, having multiples or like if you have two back-to-back events, like having two or whatever, like even having one. So that's a really nice resource for people just so that they know that it it shouldn't be a barrier to enter the field. And there's resources out there for them to be supported in the community and still kind of achieve their goals. Yeah, totally. hundred percent. Actually, fun fact, my freshman year of undergrad, I actually used the clothing closet. And yeah, and it was, it wasn't because I really like couldn't afford to buy a new pair of uh, dress clothes or whatever. It's just I had an interview and I didn't have any transportation when you're a freshman and you can't access like stores or anything like that. Like you shouldn't feel inhibited from using this resource because you feel like like you don't deserve it. Like as someone who like like I felt a little guilty, but the person who was at the clothing closet was literally like, hey, you don't need to worry. You're here because, you know, you have a reason for being here and any reason is valid. So like my reason was I had a job interview like the the next day, I think, and I didn't have dress pants and I didn't have any transportation because I was a freshman living in the dorms. I didn't know how the buses worked. I didn't know how any of those, any systems or anything worked yet. And I was like, I found out about this resource and I was like, I'm just, I'm just going to take advantage of it. And that's what it's there for. It's there for people who, um, you know, like you shouldn't feel like you don't deserve it or anything like that. It's there for everyone. Well, you bring up a great point of like, 
why people don't seek out resources. And I think one, like they don't want to take a big one is that they don't want to take away resources from other people, which I think is, oh, it just like, no, you, you can use it too. Like we have plenty, we have plenty to go around. Um, so reducing that kind of stigma around it. And also like transportation, a lot of the thrift stores are on the east side of, I, I live on the east side of Iowa City and really buses don't run. It's weird. They don't run out that way. Also taking a bus isn't just as easy as like, oh, just take the bus. Like there's barriers to that as well. So I think, again, that's where we want to expand our efforts to doing more outreach and like going to people instead of having them have to rely on like coming into the IMU to get their stuff. Yeah. So on a larger scale, there are other services besides food pantries that are available for people like going back to food insecurity. You can talk more about the clothing closet and just clothing needs as well. But like, what are some other resources that people can use, like, you know, from your basic needs front? Yeah. Switching so, gears a little bit. Yeah. A big one, a big one for University of Iowa students is uh, the emergency fund that we have. So it's kind of like a small grant that you don't have to pay back. I think up to like $800. Um, you just submit a form through our, through the Dean of Students website is if you just Google Dean of Students emergency fund, it'll pop right up. So if you're finding yourself in a hardship, they just ask a couple questions and that's really it. So there's no having to show proof of your bank account or anything like that. It was just, it just a few questions to ask, but um, the other one is snap. And I'll, Amanda, I'll let you take on snap. Yeah. Just in general for, there's a lot of great resources in our community in Iowa city for those who facing food insecurity. Um, the largest being like community, um, Iowa city compassion. They also have a food pantry and the agape cafe. They serve breakfast every Wednesday morning. But then also on our website, we have information for those who are looking to apply for the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, also known as SNAP. So that's for, they changed the qualifications since COVID, but if you have an EFC from your FAFSA of zero, you may qualify. There's sometimes a lot of hoops to jump through, but if you qualify for SNAP, you'll get a dollar amount that you can spend per week. Well, they give it out per month at grocery stores on food to help kind of offset those grocery costs. So definitely a great resource to take advantage of if you qualify. And I think like with our with our food pantry data, only like 3% of our clients use it. So that's something that we've really been trying to push is there's probably a lot more that qualify, but that just haven't gotten through the hurdle of applying, meeting with DHS and getting through to get that service. Would you say that it's pretty easy to apply like once you know you qualify or are there any resources on campus for people who think that they might qualify but just need help applying? Are there any resources for them? Yeah, so actually the application process from what I've heard is quite long and difficult. Um, There's kind of a lot of hoops to jump through. There's a whole website to go through, but um, then once you If they deem that you qualify, you have to meet with a DHS representative and go through your whole benefits and everything, which could be an access thing in and of itself. Um, But there is a hotline that's put on by like the Iowa Food Bank. And they if you call this hotline, they will walk you through the whole application. And they actually prefer that if you are wanting to apply for SNAP, that you reach out to them because they know all the ins and outs of how to fill out this application to try and get your resources. So. Yeah, you bring up a really good point about the access if they're required to meet with DHS. That is definitely, I think, something that 
if they call the hotline, they'll probably get more information about and it could be something that might deter them, but hopefully the hotline will be able to help them. I actually talked to someone who worked for the hotline before and she said, and I asked her about this, about the whole access thing, like, can anyone apply? And she said that even if you think you might not qualify, there is no harm in calling the hotline and applying because the worst that can happen is that you'll get a no. They won't pry into your personal information. They won't do anything like that. The the worst thing that could happen is no. And the and the best thing that could happen is that you get support. So you bring up a really good point about access and like um, just even seeing if you qualify. I think what the representative said was that it doesn't hurt to try. Sure, yeah. Sure. So we're, we'll start talking a little bit more about like internal University of Iowa stuff. Sure, so sure. we understand that you guys are currently undergoing a bunch of changes. You guys just had a bunch of internal pantry operation changes and some larger scale things like a whole new pantry is getting constructed with our new Iowa Memorial Union. So where do you see the future of the pantry going? Like, what are your goals, aspirations, your dreams, things like the that? The dream question. I love this. Yeah. Like, uh, what I'm seeing, and I've been at the university for like 12 years now, and I work mainly in student wellness doing like sexual health, alcohol outreach, just emphasis on well-being. And so when the pandemic hit, the what the pantry was already established, they already had the students already created back 2016, created this amazing thing that has become like just taken off. And so what the university did was like, hey, we need more support for these students. And so I just came on, yeah, pretty recently as as the pandemic has been, as it happened, because that's when our need really skyrocketed. And then the student exec committee really took things. I was just there to support them. They like did, oh my God, they're just amazing. And so what we we're able to demonstrate is that basic needs are are on the rise or more people are seeking out resources. I mean, combination of all kinds of things. Because even this last, from this time compared to last year at this time, we're up like 300% in our clientele is how, how many people we're seeing. Um, it's insane. So we have the data to prove like this is a need. We have the people coming through. We have so we have all this thing saying like we need more support and the university was like okay let's hire four students so we have two managers and two operational people to help us run the pantry so we're not it's not all on a student org the student org is turning into more of an advisory role which we're still trying to sort out right now of of how that looks because i think that's so important because there's people like like you all that are doing the work that we want to hear from to make sure we're meeting our clients needs. So where I see it going is just there's more and more resources from the university being put towards basic needs, which as it should. And so with this new well-being center, once they start, the conversation hasn't even begun with like, what do you want the space to look like? What do we want X, Y, and Z to look like? That's where we'll pull the students in the advisory board and be like, yeah, what do you guys think? So, So I just see it being bolstered across the board. We're even like we are in the West Pantry. We created more cupboard, so a, more of a cupboard space. We want to get into all the cultural centers, so we have a, a presence there. So expanding kind of like what where our presence, what that looks like is another kind of goal, lofty goal of ours. So 
Yeah. And I think something to also just reiterate was like we were started by students and now our service has become so large and overwhelming that like we needed more support. And with this new wellness center that's going in, we'll have the space hopefully that we need to operate to our full capacity. And with the university really pushing health and wellness, then like obviously if you're not eating the right foods every week or you're not going to be a successful student. So putting this whole wellness thing at the forefront first, I think will really help students in the long, long run as well. Amanda, can you talk a little bit more about being a student and being involved on the executive board and kind of what that role looks like and how you got involved in that? Because I'm curious to see how you kind of ended up in that position. Yeah. So my freshman year, I saw that there was a mass email looking for students to join their the executive board of the food pantry. And I had done some food insecurity work in high school. So I was like, oh, perfect. This will this will be great. So I joined and I was the out- outreach and events coordinator my first year, which was great. Super excited to host all these events and do all this outreach. And then the pandemic hit. And we at that time, we were probably only seeing like 20 clients a week. We we're just really trying to expand our services and get our, our name out. And then, yeah, once COVID hit, we had to completely redo how we did our pantry and we got a brand new space to be more socially distanced and those sort of things. And with the demand, our services skyrocketed and we had so many more people coming in and it was really overwhelming as a student because our open hours, our deliveries, our distribution, everything was reliant on our student schedules. So if something happened, we couldn't be there, the pantry had to close. So we weren't like we couldn't get all the resources out that we needed to. So that was my freshman, sophomore year. Then I was the associate director my junior year and then also just this past year, the executive director. So leading the team, helping them with their roles and coordinating all the day to day things that go on within the pantry. That's really awesome to hear that it's kind of student-led because it means that there's a lot of students out there who really are passionate about food insecurity and want to get involved. So it's really inspiring to hear that you've not only done it one year, but you've done it like throughout your college experience. So that leads into my next question was, which is, are there any food access related services that don't yet exist, but that you wish existed? Oh, good question. Go ahead. No, go for it. I'm just reflecting on how good a question oh. it is. Um, something we talked about when we were trying to figure out the whole restructuring our pantry with COVID was, is there any way we can do a delivery service, which isn't really feasible with the resources. And obviously us students cannot handle the capacity that would take, but having a delivery service, I think would be super important for international students, like those who don't have cars, especially if they need their culturally diverse foods or like are accustomed to certain foods that you can't just get at the local supermarket that might be closest to them. So that's one thing I wish existed, but sadly does not on campus. Yeah, along with that, I'd say more mobile pantry. We did one uh, class last semester. It was great. It It was super successful, but the work that took to like to mobilize a pantry is quite significant. So I think just kind of looking at how like efficiency and how can we get out to the community on campus with without burning up all of our resources and our people power, so. I mean, it's good to think big. So yeah. Like, it's good that you have these aspirations, even if they may not be feasible at the moment, but the fact that the ideas are there is like, you know, like the seed for future plans. And, you know, maybe with the wellness center, you'll get the 
funding for like a food pantry truck, like a mobile truck that can like. Do you stop? That would be my dream is to get, (laughs) give me a truck and I'll be like, yes. (laughs) A truck that could just like, you know, you know how the, we have the, what is it? The, the Hawk truck or whatever that has like the, what am I thinking of? It has like food, you can get flex meals there, but like food pantry version. And like it goes to di- like every day, it's at a different location. I'm I'm coming up with new things for the food pantry. Love already. this. Yeah, Love sign it. me up. <laughs> Just kidding. It's so hard because the campus is so big. Mm-hmm. I came from a smaller university, and we had um. I went to Creighton University in Omaha, and we had what was called the Creighton Cupboard, and it was in one of the residence halls. But the campus is a lot smaller, so that access, like it's. A lot easier to like walk the campus and most people like lived closer to it so that was a lot but I mean just like the campus is so large like there will always be people living on you know like the opposite side and especially like in the winter you know it's kind of hard like so cold like to walk around and stuff so yeah the truck idea I'm I'm with you on that one that (laughs) sounds like a, a big aspiration but hopefully someday we can make it happen Well, it's like a unique thing for our campus because we are so big. A lot of state schools tend to be on the bigger side and state schools tend to be where I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe that's where some of the more food insecurity like is happening because it is a public school. I'm not quite sure if that's true, but it's it's community colleges. Yeah. Community colleges are probably the most food insecure when you look at our in higher ed across the country, but yeah. Bigger universities, yeah, it's easy to, again, navigating resources is such a huge skill to, to learn. So, and it's just harder on a bigger campus. And I would say, especially if students are coming to a state school to try and save money on tuition, that might already have put them at a disadvantage if they are in that food insecure position. Yeah, so I have one more question for you guys. It is a question that we ask all of our guests. And you can answer it in whatever way that you would like. So it's basically asking, what was one thing you thought you knew and were later wrong about? We just want our audience to know that it's okay to mess up and um, that everyone does it despite how you know successful or how um, impactful your job is. Like everyone makes mistakes. So let's share your failures. Like that. I'm just going to say mine right away. Right when I started, they signed me to the food pantry to be like, Steph, you're going to you're going to help support the students. You're going to just be in this role. And not that I went in and be like, I know more than the students. It wasn't like that, but just how much they knew and how much that I think once I met you all, like the exec committee and we're like, I have a lot to learn. Like, and so I just, what I did that, that whole year then after that was just be like, I'm immersing myself in the pantry. I'm going to do operations. I'm going to learn from, I'm going to shadow Amanda, Rada, like, I want to know because like you guys have all this knowledge. So it wasn't that I wouldn't be like, they don't know anything. I knew you guys knew stuff. I just didn't know how much you knew. So, and now it's like, that's what I lead with and being in higher education. You got to lead with the students know a lot. So what are you going to learn from them? Yeah, I would say related to food insecurity and even just in general, it is okay to ask for help and to seek out resources when you need it. Like, especially for college students, oftentimes this is the first time in our life where we have a lot of freedom and independence to do things. So students, I know I, when I was a freshman and finally like out of my parents' house, I was so embarrassed to ask for help because I wanted to seem like I could handle the responsibilities now of becoming an adult. But 
So I think there's like a lot of obviously shame and stigma surrounding the use of pantries and resources in general. A lot of people, as we kind of touched on, don't think they're worthy of using them or shouldn't be receiving the handouts, but we're here for a reason. So it, it's been a large part of our mission to break down those barriers so that we can reach the students and community members that we need. One way we always tell our volunteers whenever they're working that they're welcome to shop around the pantry at the end of their shift as well so that there's no divide between our clients, staff, and volunteers. That's a really good note to end on. Thank you so much for coming to the to the podcast. We had a really great time talking with you guys about food insecurity. And we just want everyone, we want our audience to know if you are on campus and if you are a University of Iowa student, faculty, or staff, you or um, any kind of student really, undergrad or grad, you have access to these resources. And I'm sure Steph or Amanda would be willing to talk to anyone or be reached out to, right? Yeah. yeah, so if you have questions, these guys are resources, and I hope that we can just keep working towards reducing food insecurity as much as we can on our campus. Yeah, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you so much. That's it for our episode this week. Big thanks to Steph Beecher and Amanda Doherty for joining us today. This episode was hosted and written by Rasika Mukamala and Radha Velamuri, and edited and produced by Anya Morozov. You can learn more about the University of Iowa College of Public Health on Facebook, and our podcast is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to help support the podcast, please share it with your colleagues, friends, or anyone interested in public health. Have a suggestion for our team? You can reach us at cph-gradambassador at uiowa.edu. This episode was brought to you by the University of Iowa College of Public Health. Until next week, stay healthy, stay curious, and take care.